Welcome to the Cult of the Clock Tower. I am Andrew Nathanson. Every other week, a special guest and I have an in-depth discussion about a character from the game Blood on the Clock Tower. Today's character is the Librarian, a townsfolk from the Trouble Brewing Edition, whose ability reads, you start knowing that one of two players is a particular outsider, or that zero are in play. All right, everybody, welcome to the show again. Today we're going to be talking about The Librarian, and to join me today, I'm talking to Ben Finney. Hello, everyone. Ben, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yes, uh, thanks for inviting me onto the show. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to hear what you have to say today. So, let's see, you are a you are an official storyteller, you are, you've been playing the game for quite a while now in Melbourne, uh, you've played with the other Ben we've had on the show, Ben Dance. Hopefully now our listeners will be able to tell the, uh, the, the Bens apart. You'll have to have every one of them on your show so that... Uh, yeah, that's true. I th- there's, there's one more official storyteller, Ben, right? Oh, I'm sure <laughs> there's more. There's more to come. Yeah, there, there are many Bens in the Blood on the Clock Tower community. <laughs> so I'm, I'm Ben Finney. I'm also in the, the, Melbourne, uh, the Melbourne scene. Um, I joined in the first half of this year, 2019. Uh, I was just an enthusiastic fan and I decided to make my own um, do-it-yourself Blood on the Clock Tower grimoire um, and I brought it along to a, uh, a games cafe that I knew and I said is there any night of the week that would be good for running Blood on the Clock Tower and they said oh you must mean our Wednesday night group and I had never heard of this <laughs> group so fortunately for me there was already a well-established scene in Melbourne so I just uh, I just um, merged into that, which was great. And recently, um, I got in, got interested in um, helping out Pandemonium Institute. And in October, I became a uh, an official uh, Blood on Blood on the Clock Tower storyteller. So that's been great fun. Congratulations on your official status. <laughs> thank you. I wanted to take a moment at the top here to thank you for because um, you've made a lot of the um, a lot of resources that I have used and that I've referred to others to for like how to make your own. Uh, grimoire and stuff. Well, thank you. It's it's, it's really good to hear that. Um, I, I I'm really glad when when people make use of those, and I, I like to see that that people are just taking piecemeal what what's going to help them and and turning it into some other custom grimoire of their own and and posting the photos online excitedly. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I made those documents. I just put together a few. I wanted to have a um, the character sheets. I felt were were not that great. Um, because they were bitmap and, and they didn't didn't print out all that well, and the the character tokens especially, and I thought how can I how can I make these look better? And I ended up just diving really deep, and I ended up just making my own from from uh, images um, downloaded from the official page and just putting all my own text on there, just copying all of the official text, but making it so that it could actually be printable. And having gone to all that effort, I thought, well, maybe this will be useful for other people. And it's been great to see that people have been picking that up. Yeah, it has been. But today we are talking about the librarian. You chose this character. Uh, do you want to give me a brief overview of why you chose the librarian? That's I'm, I'm not sure myself, actually. I, the, the librarian, I would not say, is my favorite character. Um, there are other characters that I like more. And I was I was tempted to go with, with my least favorite character, which I won't name here for bias. But I, I decided, <laughs> I thought, I looked at the characters and I thought, which one, which one is likely to get 
forgotten for a while. Let's let's just foreground something that, that is that is not likely to, to come to people's minds immediately. So I guess librarian is a bit middle of the road in my subjective assessment, which is why I decided to lift it out. Interesting. Uh, I think there's a lot of really interesting things you can do with a librarian. Absolutely. Um, every, every time I dig into these characters and, and look at what can you actually do with it, all of them turn out to be really interesting. Yeah. So I, I definitely don't think it's a bad character, but I do agree it's not as exciting necessarily as some of the other characters in Trouble it Brewing. It didn't leap to mind is, is I think the reason why I chose it. I can totally see that. But at the same time, it's a character. You're going to be the librarian sometimes. you got to know how to play it. Um, Here it is. In my hand is the librarian. What do I do? Well, you give it back to the storyteller at first, oh, and then, no, no. then you play the rest of the game. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's it. We're, li- we're lifting all characters now because one person is not satisfied. <laughs> yeah. When you're heading into a game as the librarian, what is your like opening strategy? What are you thinking about? What's going on in your head? What are like things you're going to be looking for? Obviously, you get told some information. You get told that one of two people is some outsider. Like, do you confront those people? Do you go to other people? Do you wait for them to tell you, or like tell the group that they're an outsider? How do you play that? One thing that makes the the librarian really interesting from my point of view is that, like a lot of the characters in Trouble Brewing. What you do with it is very dependent on uh, what other characters you think are in play, um, but also who you're playing with, who, what you know about the other players around, around the group can really affect what you think you should do once you see that you're the librarian. And with the librarian, this, I think this is the first on the Cult of the Clock Tower show uh, of the characters who get information on the very first night. So as the librarian, yes. you're going to have to decide very quickly what what your uh, what your strategy is going to be for the game and how to respond to uh, to changes as they come up. So I, I think one of the one of the earliest things that you need to do is decide based on who's around you. Decide: Am I going to come out with information that uh, in, that reveals I'm the librarian? You could just say I'm I'm the librarian on the first day, or you could you know hint ab- about uh, what's going on that is going to lead people to think that you're the librarian, do you do that? Uh, or do you hold on to it for a few days and say, no, I, I don't want to reveal who I am yet. Um, and then based on conversations that you have and information that you hear later on in the in the game, come out with the fact that you're the librarian. I think that's an interesting choice that the first night characters all present you with. You've, you've re- received this information, which is um, what most of the characters in Trouble Brewing don't get. Uh, what do you do with it? Yeah, I think that's uh, it's an especially difficult kind of choice to have to make because obviously if you come out later, it might make you a lot less believable, right? Like it's way easier to come out and claim you saw someone as an outsider if that outsider already comes out, for instance. And that's where I think it really um, is affected by what you know about the players that you're playing with. I, I find that playgroups will go through some reasonably predictable phases where a, a group of new players of Trouble Brewing will not know what information is meant to come out and just look at all of the character abilities and say, well, okay, what information does everyone have? And people will just come out with whatever information they've got. That's fine. That's, that's, um, that's an excellent way for the good team to play. And all of the first night information characters on the good team, it can really help if they, if they start to share their information like that. But then you go through an, another phase with, where some players realize, well, maybe it can actually help if I don't um, come out with my information and come out with it later, and you'll get a, a more experienced group uh, deciding that they want to have a bunch of private conversations first 
before deciding what to do with their first night information. And I find that um, uh, after that are more stages where people are judging based on whether people are deciding to uh, to play it close to their chest, uh, whether to trust people. And, and I find that the, the trustworthiness of uh, not revealing on the first day really changes depending on the experience of the group. <laughs> you, you'll yeah. find that, that people um, people will... Uh, if they're not, if they're experienced with other games, that'll obviously affect their their experience of Blood on the Clock Tower. But uh, if if they're they're new to the game, they'll obviously be suspicious of anyone who is uh, not forthcoming. But as you gain more experience with with Blood on the Clock Tower specifically, uh, you start to realise that actually there's loads and loads of, of excellent reasons why a player on the good team might be playing it close to their chest. So you you drop some of that um, that that untrust the lack of trust for for um for close to the chest players so that's going to really affect whether you do it on the first day or not that's really going to you'll have to make a judgment about the players around you am i going to um am i going to come out with my information on the first day is going to be affected by well will, will people mistrust me if i don't um and in some groups the answer may be no no one's going to mistrust you because it's just expected that a lot of good people are going to want to play it close to the chest as well. Yeah. So let's assume that you're that you've decided to come out with it on the first day. I think that there's still a number of choices that you can make. You've been told two particular players, you have been told a particular character, you've been told a particular outsider. I think those are three separate pieces of information that you can decide whether or not to uh, come out with. So for example, uh, there's a number of, of abilities in Trouble Brewing that say on the first night, you just you learn um, that this character is one of these players. Now, you could just say, well, I got information about Frank and Sarah and say no more than that. And that will prompt some private discussions. Some people might want to talk with Frank and Sarah before you do, or you might want to say, and now I want to talk with Frank and then I'll talk with Sarah. Um you can lead with just the fact that you got told about particular players and use that as the reason why you are going to talk with them. And that will, I think that for many players, that will really help allay the uh, the suspicion of why you're not coming out with more information. You want to go and confirm. I really like that. Um, that I like that idea a lot because there are so many interesting ways the storyteller can set up the exact two people they show to you. Exactly. And revealing just that you saw two people doesn't necessarily give away too much valuable information to the evil team, but it allows you to sort through your information in a more systematic way without causing suspicion. Right. It's not a, it's not a tactic that I see many um, players who receive Librarian actually go for, but I think it's one of the one of the safest, not safest, one of the one of the ones that is going to most quickly um, reduce people's suspicion of you is to yeah. say, I have a, a particular reason related to my ability that I want to talk to one of these players, one of these two players. And then you go and have a private conversation with them. I think that can be a really effective play. It's, it's also a good way to, I mean, this is getting a little bit deeper into the strategy, but there's there's always the something you have to be aware of as a librarian, which is that the person you saw might have actually been the spy. Yes, of course, of course. There's there's loads of ways that you can be deceived. Uh, yeah, and I, and I actually like this way because if you just say that you got information about two people, if one of them is the spy, they aren't going to know, like what even is a good idea to lie to you about exactly right like there you can you can tease that information out of them so that's that's 
an additional benefit to this. So just saying that reveals the least about uh, about the information you got and puts the most burden on uh, someone who is trying to deceive you. Like they they know the, the the least about what they're trying to deceive you about, while you have still given a little bit of information um, justifying why you're going to talk to them. Yeah, because you you could have seen them as anything pretty much. Exactly. Are you going to ask them about a minion? Are you going to ask them about an outsider? Are you going to ask them about a townsfolk? Are you going to ask them about something else? Maybe you're the empath. Yeah, you could even be the fortune teller, for instance, and they, they could exactly. have been a demon registering to you. So I think that can be a, a particularly effective and perhaps overlooked uh, way to play it. I think another way uh, that you can reveal just one piece of information is to say, well, I know that there is an outsider in the game, which itself can be quite helpful. Uh, not least in those particular uh, those particular configurations where we're expecting to have zero outsiders. So in a 10-player game, we're expecting to have zero outsiders, but I am the librarian, and I saw that there is an outsider. That's really uh, useful for us to know. What do we think about that? Can we, can we do something to confirm that information? And you haven't even mentioned which outsider. You haven't mentioned which players. No one, um, no one needs to... Uh, justify their own particular character to you. Um, it's just something that is going to help the good team to know that someone was shown that information. Yeah, that's especially helpful when the number of outsiders is really in question, like especially in a zero outsider, like a game with zero outsiders by default, where the only way there is an outsider is a baron. Then that information is extremely valuable. And if you don't give away the identity of the outsider, then it can they can like still play outsider in an interesting way where they like try to get themselves killed at night or anything like that that they want to do that's right and they'll know that they have a safety net of you backing them up if they ever need it the the role of librarian leads us into uh, a discussion about the way that the the base rules of the game really help the the good team figure out the 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 puzzle this is this is the deduction part of of um, blood on the clock tower is informed by these these ground rules that we can actually depend on remaining true um, until something changes them, uh, <laughs> is the fact is the fact that there, with a particular count of players, we can normally expect this number of outsiders. So the librarian is, plays a key role in that. Um, and another way that it can be useful, suppose you've got a um, a nine player game where where we're expecting to have two outsiders. If two people have already come out as particular outsiders, someone has said they're the recluse, someone has said they're the butler, but you were shown the drunk. This can be very useful information. Now, you might choose to say it to the town or you might choose to say it elsewhere. We'll, maybe we'll discuss that later. But this is this is another case where even if even if there are expected to be outsiders, the librarian can still play a role in confirming uh, people's declared characters if they're outsiders because there's a very small number of them in any game. Yeah, and they're always countable. And especially in Trouble Brewing, if the outsider count has been modified, you're never going to get a... Um let's see, you're never going to get a false negative where like, there's no way the evil team can claim things in such a way as to obs- obscure the presence of a baron if every outsider just actually comes out with their, with their character. Because at most... That's true. At most, you're going to add one drunk and one other thing. If, if people are being truthful about the character that they are, if, they, if people are being truthful about the character that they have received, um, then no one is going to be themselves deceived about being an outsider. Because if you're the drunk, you don't know who you are, but you think you're a townsfolk. And there is no other character who believes that they are an outsider. Like, there's, no, there's no 
character in Trouble Brewing who can possibly think they're an outsider, which means that there's less... The, the, the only explanation for there being um, the wrong uh, setup of outsiders is some character ability is, is causing it to happen or someone's lying. And so like you're saying, in the case where there's supposed to be two outsiders, two people come out as outsiders and you know there's a drunk, or at least you know there's very likely to be a drunk unless you were poisoned, then that tells you that one of those outsiders must be lying unless there's a third outsider as well who hasn't also come out. Right. And um, another configuration that I find really interesting, you've had uh, my, my evil twin, Ben Dance, on your show <laughs> uh, in a previous episode. He talked about the recluse. I think, I, I, won't, I won't speak too confidently about it, but I think that of all the outsiders in Trouble Brewing, the recluse has the most incentive to come out on the first day and say, by the way, I'm the recluse. Lots of you are going to think that I'm, I'm someone that I'm not. Um, but I want you to know that I'm the recluse, or at least reveal that in private to some players, and then it'll mm. get about that there is a recluse in the game. Now, if we're in a game, suppose it's a game uh, with 11 players and there's one outsider that's supposed to be in the game, if you're the librarian and you saw a different outsider, then you know that, the, that either we've got a baron in the game or something else changing the number of outsiders, or the person who claims to be the recluse is lying. So the librarian ability just being on the script means that someone who's going to pretend to be the recluse has got to be very careful because the, they don't they need to know whether there's a librarian in the game who saw a different character. Yeah. Those are the, those are kind of the benefits of like your information. But I think that information can have different effects in the game as we said based on whether you reveal it early or later. I think the benefits of revealing that information early are fairly obvious like if you just come out with all of your information then hey that's information on the table um, that's yeah. going to help the group in general um, the benefits of help of revealing it late might not be quite as obvious and the strategies that you actually use and like reasons you wouldn't want to come out with it early might not be as obvious to um, someone listening to this or someone playing so i think we need to to introduce that by talking about why why would it be bad to come out with the information immediately or, or yeah. early on the first day um, and I think that the reason for that is um, that by revealing the information you got on the first day, then people who want to bluff themselves have got more information about what, how not to contradict what you said. If you hold on to it, then you are leaving open the possibility of contradicting someone who decides to take a chance and, and come out with a bluff. They might bluff as the recluse, or they might bluff um, that they saw the drunk in case they want to to pretend that someone else is, has got a problem um, with their ability. If you are the librarian but you don't say so, or if you are the librarian and you don't come out with all the information that you got, uh, then it makes it harder for evil team to bluff. Unfortunately, it also makes it hard for the good team to bluff, and there's, good, there's reasons for the good team to bluff as well. So perhaps a reason to delay your information uh, might be that you want to confirm what other people are saying. And I think that this this ties in with, as these first night information characters, including the librarian, it can often be a very good idea not to reveal everything or not to reveal anything at all in public, but go around and have private conversations and see if you can gather a little bit of information about what other people are seeing or are claiming to be. And then uh, later on the first day or on the second or third day, start talking about contradictions that you've that you've exposed in your private conversations. You say, I'm the librarian. I came out with the fact that that player and that player are this outsider, 
but based on what they told me or what someone else told me about their conversation with them, that can't be right based on what, based on what I've seen as the librarian. Uh, that can be really powerful for, for helping the good team piece together because as you might discuss when, when uh, discussing the drunk or, or the poisoner, those abilities that fool people into getting bad information, there's actually only a very few ways each day that someone in a trouble brewing game can be getting bad information. So it can be very, very useful for the good team to share as much information as they can and try to pin down where the inconsistencies are, because if they can actually say, well, that must be, that must be false and that must be false, therefore everything else must be true, it can be really helpful. Yeah, I think that one of the most important skills to have in, in terms of just being a good blood on the clock tower player and getting really good at the game is being able to fully like take into account all of the sources of in- misinformation, and those would be drunk, poison, or players being evil, and then synthesize that information and come up with some reasonable premises. Premises like if you're the librarian, you saw that one or two people is drunk, then it could be a reasonable premise to say that one of those two people or me is the drunk. And then once you have those premises, it, it severely limits the number of total possibilities that this whole that this whole game develops into. And if you can pick out the consistent ones of those, then it's just a matter of figuring out which consistent um, system of pieces of information which of those consistent systems is the correct one you're getting at one of the one of the the things i love the most about this game in particular and one of the things that new players whose minds are blown by by um by how it all fits together have trouble dealing with a lot of people say oh look at all this information it's going to be a fantastic puzzle to solve then you start playing it and you realize hang on, I can't trust any of this information. None of it is 100% uh, definite. <laughs> and you think that everything's just up in the air. When actually it's not that way at all. What you're, what you're dealing with is that some things can be falsified, but not everything can be falsified. And the the amount of information that's flowing around overwhelmingly is true compared to what is false. And what, what you've actually got is a problem of probabilities. You've actually got to yeah. pin down how likely is it that this is true and how likely is it that that was false. And if we know that that's false, then that really reduces the, the amount of false things there can be elsewhere. So we're actually a good way to solving the puzzle. Yeah, I think that's the, the key thing. And that's one of the things that the librarian helps the most with. And one of the ways you can most stand to benefit by revealing your information later. You start to you start to really help expose the the lies that people are telling, or the the um, the um, the false information people have been receiving. Yeah, if you're thinking of the game in term as like a, a, the whole thing is a logic puzzle. Yes. The evil team's goal is to, is to provide as many like possible resolutions to that puzzle that are incorrect. Yes. And if they don't know your piece of information they cannot make an informed decision about how to go about that. So actually, they might be going down a certain path that you can immediately disprove. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I think that's a reason to to delay uh, revealing your information. And this works for any of the First Night Information characters. I think there's six or seven of those on the good team that uh, receive information on the first night that have to make this decision about how late do I reveal my information? How much do I reveal? How much do I drip it out or just, just reveal it all at, at once? I think that this, this gets at the, another reason why I love this game is that um, both the evil team and the good team have to work together. No one can solve the game by themselves. Um, and the librarian really plays into that. So yeah, delaying your information, but talking with lots of people, I think is is a combination that works really powerfully. Another strategy alternative to just revealing your information straight away or holding onto it straight away 
is to lie about your info. Um, you put a note in, in our document about this. I'd like to hear more what you have to say about that. I have a few things to say about that, but uh, you put <laughs> it in hoping, as a bullet point, so I want to hear I about sure that. Did. I sure did, because it's a challenge to myself, actually, and I'm, I'm hoping that our conversation can, can help <laughs> flesh this out. Um, yeah, the, there's, it, there's lots of good reasons for, for any good character um, in the game, trouble brewing, no exception. To lie, even even though they're um, they're on the good team, and the good team has to share true information in order to to solve the game. There's good reason for people to lie. If, for example, you found out that the saint is in the game, that might not be something you want to reveal too early. You might want to talk with the person and find out how we can how we can protect um, that player uh, from being executed. Uh, we haven't talked about the the saint on the on the show yet, I believe. No. Um, but there are there are reasons why the saint might want to keep their identity secret or even pretend to be a different role that the demon wants to kill at night. Uh, the saint especially has a reason for that. I'll leave that for the for the saint episode. But the librarian can help with that if they discover that someone is the saint. You can talk with the saint and try to help them come up with a way a way to to hide their identity. And you're going to have to lie about what you. Uh, who you are or what information you got to help support the saint in that lie. Uh, that's one example. Another another way is that you, you might want to help the recluse. You might want to, maybe the recluse wants to keep their information secret. Any any character might want to, might have a reason to, to bluff, at least for a while, about who they are. And if you discover that, that a particular um, pair of players, one of them is a particular outsider, you might want to find out who they are before telling the group and see see how they want to play it. Do, do, do they want to hide who they are and can you help with that? Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of new players make mistakes with at first is they will... It doesn't happen as much with librarian because I think in, in most early groups, the outsiders don't necessarily know that there are good reasons to not reveal who they are. So I think often in, in a group with new players, you will get outsiders just revealing themselves anyway right away. And this is, I guess, more of a more of a thing that I see happen with like the washerwoman in games with the new players is that they'll reveal to the group that one of two people is this thing they saw. And then that, that player is like, oh no, I don't want you to know that. That person is the undertaker. Oh no, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think it's definitely a good idea to be careful. Like if you're going to out someone as anything, you might be ruining their plans, which... Maybe it'll end up for the best, and like it'll just be less confusing later. But also, maybe they had a really good plan going on. Yeah, I mean, you asked me uh, early in early in the episode how do, how do I play this? More and more these days, I'm I'm uh, starting out the game, especially in, in trouble brewing. I'm starting out the game by saying, okay, I'm I'm saying nothing until I've spoken with that person, that person, and then based on those discussions, I want to talk with this person as well before even revealing anything publicly. I think that the most interesting games. And at a higher level, especially, the games often break up into a bunch of small conversations at the start that gradually evolve into bigger discussions. That's it's one, one of the best things about this game, in my opinion. Uh, there's another reason you can lie about your info as well, though, which is, well, there's another two I can think of. One of those being <laughs> that as a character who only gets for information on the first night, you don't really mind as much if you die at night. Um, or at least That's I don't right. think you should mind terribly much if you die at night. Yes, you lose some voting power, but ultimately it's probably not going to affect the game as much as, say, an empath dying at night or uh, any other character that gets a lot of information. Yeah, if, if we if we are confident, if, if you've been speaking with people or if someone publicly has figured out that there's a role that the good team wants to stay alive as long as possible, the empath, the undertaker, um, etc., 
or, or maybe a role that um, that no one wants to. Uh, yes, I mean those those are good enough. Then yeah, if if you are a role whose ability is already done and there's there's nothing else that is going to be benefited from you staying alive other than just the, the base rules about keep as many good players alive as, as we can. Other than that, um, if you, for instance, claim that you are the uh, uh, that you are the Undertaker, um, that can help the real Undertaker in the game. Or, yeah, and um, I think that I think that this is the sort of discussion that's going to come up a lot on this show because there are a lot of characters that have good reasons to do this. Like most of the outsiders, like we said, any of the characters who only get information on the first night, and then there's the characters who really want to be targeted at night, like the Soldier and the Raven Keepers. This is a very yeah. common... Uh, strategy, I think, to take. You can even you can even go le- more levels deep than that. You can, as the librarian, find out that um, that a particular person is the recluse. You can um, have some conversations that make you more confident that what you've seen is true, and that in fact it's it's Joe over there. But you haven't said any of this publicly, and at that point you decide, right, I've decided to tell you who I am. I'm the Raven Keeper. And eventually you get executed because no one believes that's who... Oh, sorry. No, that, that you, eventually you get you get killed at night and you say, well, I was the Raven Keeper and I chose that person and I discovered that they are the recluse. So you can stop being so suspicious of them. Interesting. Now, your information your information came about because you're the librarian, not the, not the Raven Keeper. So if there is, in fact, another Raven Keeper in the game, later on they can come out with the true information uh, that they got from their true uh, Raven Keeper ability. And you have hidden the fact that there was another Raven Keeper in the game uh, from the demon who went around uh, killing with a bit more confidence because they were sure that there was no other Raven Keeper. Yeah, now that's a... <laughs> that's a... Quite a... That's kind of a dangerous line to walk there, though, well, I would say. Well, I don't say. see how much danger there is in it because you don't even have to know that there's another Raven Keeper in the game to do that. You can that's just so so doubt on the evil team uh, by saying... That's, that was the Raven Keeper. We've killed the Raven Keeper. Excellent. Let's go around killing Willy Nilly. I think that works if your group is the sort of group where if there is another Raven Keeper, if they would come and confront you privately. That's where the risk is. You've got to. Yeah, you've that's got the to, risk. Um, you can cause the them risk to is out that themselves. The, the good team is not going to trust you as much because you're, you're coming up with all sorts of contradictory stories. It's true. Yeah, and you could actually end up causing the Raven Keeper to, to decide. I need to t- make the group like to let the group know that you're f- not you're completely lying to us by outing myself as the Raven Keeper. I like they could determine that that is more important than them getting to use their ability. And now you've just revealed your information in a suboptimal way that makes you and the person you were trying to protect suspicious, and then <laughs> and also nullified the Raven Keeper's ability. So that that could go pretty badly, I think. Oh, everything's got a trade off. <laughs> <laughs> The last reason I can think of to lie as the librarian is that, um, as I mentioned earlier, the spy is uh, a constant danger. I think it's usually you don't have to worry too much about like seeing the spy as one of your two people because they have a very hard time of predicting what you saw. But yes. if you say you point out to like at the start of the group, you do the thing like you were saying where I saw something about these two people and then you go and talk to them privately you could say, hey, I saw that one, one of you of is... is the spy. What on earth are they going to say, exactly? Right, yeah. You can you can say something like, hey, I saw that one of you two is the saint. And then, are you the saint? The other person already told me they aren't the saint. And then if they're like, well, no, I'm not... Or if they say, they could say, well, no, I'm not. And then it's like, okay, well, I was lying about the fact that I saw the saint. I actually saw the butler. Right. And then you know you can trust them a little bit more. But if, if you say you go up to one person, you say, hey, are you the, the saint? And they say no. And then you go to the other person, you say, hey, the other person said no. Are you the saint? And they say yes, 
but you didn't actually see the saint. Well, right. Right. that's that's a great way to catch a, a spy in a lie. I think that can be another reason um, to, on the first day, reveal only that you were told about two particular players and then go and talk to those players. If one of them is the spy, they're going to have a very hard time guessing what to, what to bluff at you. You can yeah. ask them something um, more broad, but like, are you a townsfolk or an outsider? Um, they, they won't know whether you're, you're um, asking because you're the washerwoman or the librarian or someone else. I think that in, a, in most situations will lead to a case where if you did see a spy, you will end up coming away from that conversation with neither player claiming to be the outsider that you saw. <laughs> Not, so, so that'll be a situation where it's either I saw the spy or I am drunk is, I think, how you'll end up out of that uh, conversation. Right, Whereas right. I think it might be a little bit more proactive to say to actively just say like, hey, are you this thing? And then just blatantly lie about that thing. Because I think that if if the spy knows you saw them and you just lie to them about what you saw, they're more likely to go along with it if you're more specific. Okay, so we don't have to go too deeply into this, but I, I want to use that to, to ask you because I, I haven't got an answer for this. Is there anything the librarian can do in particular um, if they think that to, to guard against being uh, being drunk or poisoned and what information the storyteller has given them? Um, well, I think that most of the time, if you're drunk or poisoned, your information will just kind of amount to nothing because it's pretty rare that you will see someone as an outsider when they're not actually an outsider and that they'll come out as that outsider. Like if you're careful about how you prompt them about it. If, like if you're, if you're playing carefully, it should be fairly easy to figure out, okay, my information just doesn't make sense. Now, it's really hard to interpret what that means once you figure that out. But I think that in general, it's pretty easy to figure out that your information doesn't make sense. Yeah. The exception to that would be seeing the drunk. If you see the drunk between two people, that can be a lot harder to figure out. But at least most of the time, you know that the drunk is between you and those two people. There's also the chance you were poisoned. And that's <laughs> that's much more insidious. I don't I don't have a great way to deal with the situation where you get poisoned and then you see that the drunk is one of two people. That's a pretty Andrew, tough, you need tough a, situation. Andrew, you need an audio sting that you can that you can just um, put on a soundboard for, for each episode. Or I'm drunk, or I'm poisoned, <laughs> yes. or you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing, though, is that it's in those different situations, you deal with them differently. So <laughs> that's actually one thing that uh, sometimes sometimes I get a little bit frustrated with is when someone just blankets everything they say with, or I'm drunk, or poisoned, or lying. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I, no, it, those are different things. I need you to like, I need you to tell me what's, we can what's the tell case. the difference between those, e yeah. <laughs> yeah, like what is, the, what is the case here that you're talking about if you are drunk? What's the case if you are poisoned? And, well, I mean, if you're lying, then I guess we'll have to figure that out. All right. So we've talked a lot about <laughs> playing as the librarian. Uh, do you have any other thoughts for this section? I was really surprised. I was. I just want to close that off by saying I was. I was. I was really pleased to see how much nuance there is in just. I really am the librarian. Uh, what does that mean? I can do. There's. A, there's a lot of, of different ways you can take it. I love it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to section two then, which is bluffing as the librarian when you're not a librarian. I realized. I really should have called these sections something else because bluffing as the librarian could be interpreted as as the librarian how to bluff or 
how to bluff as though you are the librarian. I just need to come up with a better way of succinctly wording this. <laughs> That's okay. I'm pretty sure that, that every uh, every Blood on the Clock Tower group has to deal with that ambiguity at some point. <laughs> Bluffing as librarian. Uh, what, sorry, which do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, are like, are there times for good players to bluff as the librarian? Are there times for evil characters to bluff as the librarian? What, what are your it ideas? It does for? come down to like the the specifics of the librarian. Um, how is that? How is that going to affect your bluff? If you're going to say, "I am the librarian," you have to think that through before saying it. Uh, what does it mean? How, how are people going to treat me? And of course, the first thing that people are going to ask is, okay, which two players did you see? Which outsider did you see? Uh, have you spoken to them about it? Uh, you've got to think up answers to all of those. This is this is one of the tricky things with any of the good information characters to bluff as. Uh, you've actually got to have a coherent story about what information the storyteller has been showing you. You've got to make it all up because most of the time the storyteller is not going to help you with that. One of the easiest ones to to talk about is to say I am the librarian, to, to lie and bluff that I am the librarian and tell people I saw the drunk and it was yes. one of these two characters. Be- that's the easiest because uh, neither of those players is going to be able to to, um, to gainsay you. Neither, both of them will say, well, I, I th- think that I'm this character, but I suppose I could be the drunk. Unless you're unlucky and you point to one of them who says, no, you're lying because I'm the butler and there's no way that I can be the drunk. Yeah. The, the other thing there, though, is you can always fall back on, well, then I'm the drunk. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. That, that is a comeback that you, can, that you can say, oh, well, I must be a drunk librarian then. Do you think there are good reasons for townsfolk to bluff as the librarian? Yes. I think that a, a townsfolk who doesn't mind if they get executed can bluff as an information character like the librarian. I think that a character who wants to conceal the fact that they are powerful enough that the demon wants to kill them, for instance, for example, the empath might uh, talk about their neighbor as one of the characters that they saw and say, I am the librarian, I saw this character, this player and that player, mm-hmm. uh, when actually they're the empath and they're, they're trying to, uh, to sound out information about the, the answer that they got for neighbors being evil. And they, they don't want to attract the demon's attention publicly. So yes, I think that there are, other powerful powerful roles uh, can bluff as the first night only information roles. You could also do it as something like a um, an undertaker, for instance. Say someone got executed and they hadn't revealed to the group what they are yet. Yes. Um, when you learn they're an outsider, you can before they say anything the next day. So like before they have a chance to say, "Yeah, I was the outsider." You can say like, "Oh, hey, I saw that they were, or I saw at the beginning of the game that one of these two was an outsider. Was it you?" Question mark and then. <laughs> That one's a much more situational kind of thing, and it's a more of a way of just like allowing the group to also confirm that player, rather than uh, without outing yourself as the uh, undertaker in that case, and that'll probably make you a less likely target at night. I think in general, coming out as a first night information character is a good way to sort of transform the other information you have and still get it out to the group, but in a way that doesn't make the demon want to kill you. This is there's also a nuance here with the. F- the first night information characters you can be a completely different character and pretend to be the librarian or you can be the librarian and pretend that you got information different from what you got and that I, that's also a bit of a bluff as well i think that it can be useful to either pretend to be the librarian or really be the librarian 
and lie about some other player being an outsider. And I, maybe it'll maybe it'll have to be left to each of the episodes which talk about those outsiders. You've done the the recluse. You might want to um, you might want to protect the recluse by pretending someone else is the recluse. I think it can be useful sometimes to pretend that someone is the saint um, if they want to be killed by the demon, or sorry, if they if they don't want to be killed by the demon, because the the um, as you'll get into in the saint episode, the saint um, actually wants to be wants to die in any way other than execution. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you could pretend that someone is the saint by bluffing as the librarian in, in order to protect them from uh, the demon's attention. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing where if you if you have someone like uh, an empath comes out to you or a monk or something and you're like, okay, hey, I don't, I don't like have anything that I need to share with the group at this time. Why don't I pretend to be a librarian and confirm you as the saint? Mm. Then all of a sudden... You've got a pretty solid way of making the of tricking the demon because you've got two characters lying to them with a cohesive story. Yeah, that can, that can be quite powerful. Uh, and again, a lot of, a lot of these convoluted ones, it, the situations become more and more specific when when they'll actually be useful. But they're, they're yes. still really interesting. Uh, another one that can be uh, can be very useful is if you are a different first night information character, you can pretend to be the librarian and declare particular information maybe about the same two two players that you were shown like uh, the empath or or the the washerwoman say that you saw them as an outsider and see what their reaction is see see what's uh, see what response you get in conversation with them when, once you've revealed the information publicly you've said that they that you were seen you have seen that they are an outsider then you go and talk to them and find out what their response is to that uh, when actually you've got different information about them. Maybe you're the chef, maybe you're the empath, maybe you're the washerwoman, and you want to find out about them anyway. Let's talk about it as an evil bluff a little bit more then. Definitely. So this is the sort of bluff that I think that any evil character could kind of pull off pretty easily. Like there are certain bluffs that I think are more dangerous for the demon than others. Um, and like, so some bluffs I think are better as minion bluffs. Librarian, I kind of feel like you can do as any evil character because they're not a character that the good team particularly would want to like be suspicious of unless you provide like really suspicious information and they're also not a character that the good team wouldn't expect to survive until late in the game so i think it's a fairly safe bluff for anyone to make as long as you're careful about what information you put out if you're for example the baron uh, it is excellent to to make use of of the uh the, the bluff of a librarian to spread even more confusion about what outsiders are in the game Yes, you you know that that information is going to be confusing about the the outsiders uh, that are in play. So why not spread some more confusion? Since it doesn't matter whether you're alive or dead, except for your vote. Bluffing as a librarian, saying that you saw a zero. Um, yes, <laughs> is, I mean, that's a way for the Baron to cause some confusion. I'm gonna. I've actually already recorded the episode. It'll be coming out after this one. Oh, the timeline's all messed up. But I recorded a Baron episode, and we talked about that a little bit. Excellent. I look forward to it. Yeah, I think there's... Or it's I look really... backward to it because it's already been out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although I think this episode will actually come out to the listeners before... Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Obligatory uh, timeline for audio show. Joke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bluffing as librarian zeros is certainly an interesting bluff. The Baron has has interesting bluffs. Um, if there if it's a, a game where there's meant to be zero outsiders, it's fun as the Baron to bluff that you are the librarian and you saw zero outsiders, so everyone 
is confirmed with that, and it may be a, a full day before anyone figures out that um, that you were lying rather than them getting bad information. Or they might never figure it out, and they'll just completely suspect whatever outsiders in the game. Evil win. <laughs> uh, what else can you do as as the Baron bluffing as librarian if there is a um, if there is a positive count uh, on the on the chart that we are expecting there to be outsiders? Maybe you want to um, bluff that you're, you're the librarian and you saw particular outsiders, uh, a particular outsider that you know um, that you know is not in the game. Maybe you've had some conversations or someone has revealed themselves as the recluse, and you might want to take a punt and say, "Well, I saw those that player as the saint." Um, and there's a good chance that no one is the saint and someone else is going to think to themselves, well, hang on, I'm the butler. What's going on here? <laughs> uh, so, yes, the, I think there's all sorts of ways that the, that the Baron in particular can cause that confusion. You can also do it as the poisoner. If you are the poisoner and uh, you decide to cast some doubt on some of the other First Night Information characters, you can bluff as the librarian and just cast a, a very confident bit of uh, first night information well i'm the librarian i saw this particular outsider in the game that's all the information i've got let's let's try to figure out the puzzle good team yeah you know i haven't i didn't i hadn't thought of this until just now but the poisoner can actually make a very specific and very believable bluff if they poison someone on the first night and then claim that they saw and then talk about that player as one of the ones that they yes yeah saw as the the drunk Yeah, that's a good one. And that, yes, you've, you've just mentioned it. The The favorite one for any evil player is, um, if they're going to bluff as the librarian, is to say, well, I'm the librarian, and I saw those two players. One of them is the drunk. And yeah. it's it's just confusion from then on because it's going to take, take a while to unwind that. That's pretty much always good, but I think it's even better as the poisoner if you actually did poison someone. If you poison one of them and then tell them that, that they may be drunk. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And then that, if they ever determine, like, okay, I must actually have been the drunk, now they trust you, like, really strongly, <laughs> and now if you can just get the demon to, like, star pass to you or something. Yeah, then... and the great thing about claiming, uh, about bluffing as a First Night Information character, if you're evil, uh, there's nothing else that you can do to um, to prove one way or the other that you're good. If, you, if, if they are trying to t- tell whether you're good or bad, all they've got is the information that you gave them. Yep. Uh, yeah. That's great. Um, There's another thing you can do as evil. You can sort of, quote-unquote, confirm the demon as something. Yes. Like if the demon wants to bluff as an outsider, you can you can support their bluff. And then at the very least, if someone's going to figure you guys out, they're going to have to figure both of you at the same time. Right. We already mentioned the recluse. The recluse is a, is so good that it's that it's become that it's fairly obvious um, to to pretend that the demon is the recluse. Um, but there can be other reasons. Maybe. Like especially um, a demon pretending to be the saint uh, is also, you know, uh, something that is that is easy to come up with. Um, yeah. And the good thing about so these these ones are are fairly obvious, and some players might yawn at them. Uh, the idea of uh, the demon pretending to be the recluse, which is why people are getting um, information about them as being evil or, or a demon, or the demon pretending to be the saint and, and arguing vehemently that they should not be executed. Yeah. These are obvious, but the advantage of that is that it means that another evil player can support their bluff as the librarian with no coordination at all. You don't even have to talk with, with your demon to know that this is probably a good play. Yeah, it's uh, and the more evil players you can get piling onto that, the more unassailable that bluff is going to seem. 
Yeah, and then you can then you can even you can even uh, protest. But the, I didn't even talk with Sarah. Why why do you think that we've coordinated this? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it could be a thing where, I mean, this <laughs> depends on what the demon knows. But say you're the spy and you know there's not a librarian in the game, yes. then you can come out right out of the gate and say, "I'm the librarian. I saw a demon and someone else as the saint," and just give them a great bluff right away. Uh, yes. yes. That you don't need to coordinate about at all. That's right. That's right. The spy, the spy is in is in an excellent position to pretend to be the librarian, pick an outsider, maybe even one that's in the game. Maybe maybe they see that one player is the drunk, and they want to um, claim that two other players might be drunk. Yeah. Then you have the real drunk and then, and a fake <laughs> drunk, both of yes. which cause confusion. Confusion. <laughs> yep. So yeah, the librarian can is perhaps a um, an overlooked bluff for the evil players. There's also the possibility of just the spy correctly calling out a real outsider who is someone like the butler or anyone who wouldn't mind coming out. And then if you can just confirm them, it makes the spy much more believable and could be enough. And the spy becomes confirmed as the librarian, yeah. Yeah, and that could be enough to get you to the win if the demon star passes to you. Like, it's pretty minor that, like, the spy confirming themselves as a librarian isn't necessarily too powerful. It doesn't, like introduce misinformation into the game but sometimes just having one confirmed evil player is enough like the the fact that it's not very suspicious uh can be very powerful because all the spy want the, the spy is getting information every night all they want is to be confirmed good and to stay in the game and keep on getting that information uh and something innocuous like the librarian is is but but that still has information that the spy knows <laughs> can <Yes>. definitely help <laughs> the spy is like the ultimate first night information character Right. They just happen to be evil, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to add in the second section about bluffing as librarian? No, I love it. It's, it's good fun. Um, so section three, how do you run the librarian as a storyteller? There's a lot of choices you have to make here, and some of those choices come from the setup of the game, like in, as far as what outsiders to even include that's going to influence what you show the librarian. And then we've also got things to talk about, like what to show if they're drunk or poisoned. You asked me at the start of the episode why I chose the librarian. One of the reasons is that um, I wanted to uh, be the one to broach the topic of the first night information characters. I, I think they're really interesting, and um, sp especially as the storyteller, putting in the uh, the first night information characters is um, some of the most interesting and, and consequential decisions that the storyteller makes. Is at the setup of the game, you've chosen what what characters go in, but you also get to, to make a bunch of choices for each of the um, information characters. What do we show? What are we, what are we going to show them? Librarian is, is no exception to this. Uh, yeah, so you, you're right. The, the choices start even with the selection of players to put in. If you're going to put a librarian in, then you, of course, are going to have to be thinking about what outsiders you're putting in as well. If you're putting a librarian in to a 10-player game or a 7-player game, does that mean there are going to be zero outsiders in the game? Or does that mean that you want to put in a, uh, a baron and give the librarian an outsider to work with? It can be quite useful for the librarian to know, um, to, to get a confirming piece of information that there are zero. So it's not an obvious choice that if there's the librarian, you also want outsiders. On, on that note, I think that there are certain things that are perfectly valid to do, but I wouldn't necessarily do with a first-time group. Like, there are a lot of things like that in the game. I think that showing librarian zero is fairly uninteresting and might ruin someone's enjoyment of the game to some extent for a new player. 
it's the sort of thing that I think an experienced player would would really be happy to see and know what to do with, but not necessarily a new player. I agree with you. That I agree with you. That's that's tricky for uh, for new players, but I like to do it often with new players because if they come up and talk to you or even if you just sense that they're disappointed with with the information they've got that gives you a great excuse to take them aside and have a conversation about okay what do you think about how this character is going to be played and i think that's an important role of the storyteller i think that the Mm -hmm. storyteller needs to be paying attention um at various points not not you don't have to you've got to divide your attention so many different ways as the storyteller. But if you notice um, that new players are having trouble and that trouble could be as simple as, oh, I'm disappointed with the information that my, that my character got, you can take them aside and have a, just ask them what they think their ability is about. Uh, what, what do you think you can do with that? And they may say, well, I can't think of anything I can do with that. And that's a great opportunity for you to give them a couple of suggestions or ask them a question that, that prompts them uh, what do you think you're going to do with this information? Like, you got a zero. Okay, so have a look at that chart that I pointed out when I was um, when I was talking about the rules of the game. And uh, how many outsiders do you see on there? You can see that there's zero, and you've just received one, a piece of information that also says that it's zero. Maybe that's an excellent piece of information that you want, might want to share with some good players, get some conversations going. Or you might want to, to point out to them um, that... A zero is a bit of a confusing information uh, for the librarian, isn't it? What do you think that means? And you, you've uh, you've hidden the grimoire where uh, they are in fact the drunk. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> if they show them a zero in a game that's supposed to have two outsiders, that would be rather confusing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I, I think that um, I think that even the um, even the the characters that would disappoint a new player who hasn't thought about the implications of the abilities. Is still a good can still be a good idea because it's a it's a prompt for the storyteller to have a chat with a new player. I do agree. I, I think that on a similar token, um, there are certain things that I want new players to be thinking about when they play the game. Uh, one of those things is the drunk, just like the implications of the drunk in general. Yeah. And I think that showing the librarian one of two people is the drunk is a really good way to get that. Um, Someone else is now thinking about uh, what what would be the implications if this player were drunk. Yeah, yeah, and that that gets people sort of thinking of the whole logic puzzle, like we were discussing earlier, where they're like, okay, now we have to take these branching paths where one of your two pieces of information is wrong, and they're not equally likely, and and that's that's yes. really interesting too. Yeah, and and it helps them get to know that like everyone else can breathe a little sigh of relief, where they're like, okay, <laughs> that that's like drunkenness off the table for me a little bit. <laughs> And I think that's really helpful, especially with new players in the game. It's a really fun way to introduce the drunk as a concept. Yes. Well, now this is the right section to introduce it. I have to say that that uh, it never gets old for me, and I do have to resist the temptation uh, of doing it too often, of making the drunk think they're the librarian and showing them that players are the drunk. I love it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have definitely done that myself. <laughs> We've already talked about um, showing the real librarian uh, that these two players might be the recluse. Uh, I think that's that's an excellent one to do. Um, and of course, if you're going to show the librarian two players um, and say one of these two is the recluse, uh, I love it when one of them is in fact evil because that's going to that's just going to, to it's expected, 
but it, it's also difficult to untangle. Uh, it's expected that a um, an evil player who is detected as evil by someone else, uh, maybe there's an investigator in the game who has seen that they are uh, a minion, then they are going to they're going to enjoy the fact that someone else has seen that they're the recluse. Uh, typically in that situation, though, you would have also seen the real recluse, right? Unless they're the spy. Yes, exactly. That, that, can, be, that can be one of the best parts of it, that you've shown the librarian two players that uh, one of them is, in fact, the recluse. The other one is, for example, the spy. And then the investigator has seen that same player is the spy and maybe the, the real recluse or a third player or it, it, all yes. sorts of fun like that. <laughs> Yeah, I also like showing the recluse to the um, librarian because it sort of helps the recluse overcome the difficulty of being inherently a little bit untrustworthy. Yes, yes. So that can make the game more fun for that player as well. Yeah, I, I think this is one of the one of the best things about the recluse is that it's in the hands of the storyteller not only how the recluse's ability works when someone um, pings them, when someone tries to detect uh, something about their, their alignment or their character, uh, the storyteller gets to choose whether to lie and and what lie to show. And that's just the recluse's ability. I love the fact that even with with other information roles, um, you get to you get to lie to those characters about it based on their ability. And the librarian is one of those. There's also the other thing you can do with the recluse in the game. If the recluse is the only outsider, you can show the librarian a zero in a game that's supposed to have one outsider. Which immediately, like, very much changes the way that the librarian is expecting to interact with the game. Right. Am I drunk? Was I poisoned? Or is, or is there a recluse? <laughs> yes. <there's> a, <laughs> yes. The, the possibility space for things that could have happened is very different from, you, from what you would ever expect to get as the librarian, I think. The good thing about that, too, is, is it's a way to either lie to a, a drunk librarian uh, or to give a strong hint to the librarian that there is no baron in the game. If the if the outsider count has gone down, the only way that that, that could be, yeah, that the, the Baron can't do that, and that's that can be a really useful thing to do. Um, all right, what about the other outsiders? How about Saint? Would you show uh, the Saint to the librarian? Um, certainly, you might um, you might show any of the minions as the Saint, um, or even the demon as the Saint, along with uh, the real Saint. It, that can be be very useful to say there is a character who good, the good team must not execute um, and maybe one of them is evil and as, as the storyteller of course you're going to be twirling your mustache and, and thinking i definitely want one of them to be evil yes there's also um what one thing i like to do with the saint and the librarian is show the saint to the librarian along with a good player so someone who's not likely to bluff as the saint and introduce any confusion and you end up with a situation where the librarian is basically confirming the saint and I really like to do this when the librarian is also in a position that casts some doubt on them, and they end up accidentally casting some doubt on the saint. Yes, or or helping the, the demon to bluff. Yeah, a situation like that could be something like you show the investigator, the librarian, and someone else as a minion, and then yeah. you show the librarian, the saint, and someone else, and they go out and they confirm the saint. But then people aren't sure if they can believe them because they might be a minion. Or, for instance, if they're sitting next to an empath who got a one on the first night. That's right. That extra that extra lose condition for the good team that that comes with the saint means that it's so it's so consequential. Bluffing as the saint or um, giving misleading information about the saint um, is is extra consequential for this particular character. So the librarian plays a plays a huge role in that. If you can 
if you can tell the librarian that one of these players is the saint, um, that can that can really amp up the the um, the intensity of the discussions because the stakes are now a lot higher. I think we already talked a lot about showing the librarian the drunk. Um, yes. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Like like what sort of players you want to show as the drunk? Um, you you will want to. You, Someone who's got a reason to to lie about themselves. I think that showing, um, maybe showing the real drunk and the recluse could be a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, or yeah, I think I think we've said a lot about uh, about showing the the librarian as the drunk, uh, showing the 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 drunk to the librarian and pointing to two players. Yeah, the the one thing I, w- I will touch on here is that one thing I really like to do is show is make the real drunk someone who isn't necessarily like a super powerful character. Like, say, the soldier is drunk or something. Right. But then show the other player to the librarian as the empath or the undertaker or the mayor or someone where having them be drunk is very consequential to the game. Right. Um, right. And and have that player take most of the heat of, oh, no, my powerful ability. What if it's not working? Um, all right. And then the last one is the butler. Um, what are your thoughts on showing the butler to the... <laughs> oh, the poor butler. Always last in everyone's thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, this can be a lot of fun. You can you can show um, you can show if there's a butler in the game, um, then you can show that one of two players is the butler. That will get a conversation going about the fact that there is a butler in the game, and uh, if you have shown that an evil player is the butler, that can give a lot of cover to all sorts of voting shenanigans that, that the evil players might come oh, yeah. up with. Um, they can they can say well. Uh, the reason why I didn't vote there is, is uh, I can't tell you why. And then the next day they can start talking about being the butler and uh, put their put their hand up and down in in strange ways to manipulate <laughs> the vote while still claiming to be on on the good team. If if they hear that there's a butler in the game and the librarian is going to have to back that up because they were shown that there's a butler in the game. Yeah, uh, that can be that can be a lot of fun. I I, I do look forward to the butler episode. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was very tempted to to take the butler character myself to talk about, but I'll I'll give that joy to someone else. Uh, yeah, and that can be that can be a lot of fun to to because the butler I think, and whoever talks about this on your show might might have different ideas, but I, I think the butler is is one of the players who is least likely to want to say so early in the game. Uh, so getting that information out there uh, more quickly with showing the librarian the butler, I think, uh, can be a lot of fun for the storyteller and for the for the evil team. Interesting. Now I would I just want to hear you talk more about butler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Someone else is going to have fun with that. Um, let's see. What else is there in the storyteller section here? Oh yes, they're showing the librarian as one of the potential bluffs to a demon. I think we already touched on that. It's a pretty safe bluff in general. Yes. So if you if you show it to them, um, then even if they don't take it themselves, uh, they can, for instance, um, let the poisoner know that that's that that's an option. Uh, someone yeah. who doesn't get that information. So yeah, showing showing the evil team that there's a there's a librarian in the game can be can be useful to to show around. So yeah, having having it as a bluff is is a good option. Um, if you've got some powerful, if you think that that you've um, that you've got a setup, um, maybe maybe another episode is going to talk about this. But I actually like. These days, setting up trouble brewing just by randomly choosing uh, characters from each of the categories uh, and seeing what setup I get. So if it show, if it turns out that that the good team is going to have a lot of information out there, then yes, helping out the evil team uh, by which bluffs to show the demon can be a good way to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, showing the librarian is a good way to help. Um, do you have any closing thoughts on running the librarian as a storyteller? I like to have the librarian in 
for new players especially, uh, because like most of the first night information characters, uh, it feels good to get information on the first night. You feel like you've, you've got something to, to get your teeth into. So um, it's definitely something that I reach for if I've got a, if got, if got a group of first-time players. I'll reach for some uh, two or more of these first-night information uh, characters. Yeah, I, I also enjoy putting the first-night information characters in there, and just information characters in general. I feel like lots of new players have fun with those. I think that the librarian can be useful um, to show as false information like when when someone is drunk and is trying to figure out uh what's going on if someone has been coming out with a with a bluff for instance the evil the evil team has been coming out with a bluff then maybe the undertaker uh, sees who that character was when um when they're executed or maybe the raven keeper wants to con- confirm uh, that claim if the undertaker or the raven keeper is poison at the time then you've got to come up with what character do i show them the librarian can be a way to support a bluff that that player was was making. If you don't want to show them that they are in fact the the spy, or you don't want to, well, the spy is going to show up falsely anyway. If you don't want to show them <laughs> uh, that they are the Baron, then you can help by by choosing an information character. All right. Well, thanks for recording with me. I You're think welcome. we've had a great discussion here. There's so much to learn about all of the different characters and so much to discover as you talk about them. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. And to all the listeners, thanks for watch, listening. Oh, man. Hey, uh, uh, thank you so much for inviting me on the show. It's, it's been great fun. Uh, I didn't realize that there was, there was so much to, to talk about until I dug into it. It's been, uh, it's been a learning experience for me, too. I hope it's, hope it's useful for your listeners. Oh, yeah. I think it will be. Um, all right. Thanks for talking to me, and thanks, everyone, for listening. I'll talk to you in a couple Mondays with a new special guest and a new character. Thank you. Thank you.